1: Good afternoon, tycoons, and welcome to this week's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm happy to uh, have you here. Just a quick little background on Tycoons of Small Biz. Coming into the first quarter of next year, we will be pushing three years. You know, we started Cinco de Mayo of 2020 and have recorded an episode essentially every week since then. So I think we're 130, 135 ish episodes in and uh honestly been been loving every second of it so today you are stuck with a watered down version of your uh regular host austin so you got landon again today i was with you a couple weeks ago excited to be back with you again our thoughts are out to austin he's pretty pretty sick right now so he's kind of taking the day to uh lay low and hopefully he'll be on the mend uh Coming into the into the weekend and uh, the holiday. So we started tycoons for you know for a couple of reasons, but we started it primarily because we wanted to provide a platform for small businesses, mostly main street you know businesses. And depending on what Google result you find, you know that's going to be typically businesses that are doing less than call it you know 10 to 20 million dollars of, of revenue. And we wanted to provide a platform to prop them up, to support them, to, you know, give them some exposure, all the good stuff that comes with that. The show was put on by small business owners for small business owners. We, you know, do our best to make this experience meaningful and to, uh, you know, to get the word out on uh, small businesses. And uh, today is absolutely no exception. I was explaining to our guests today, Scott, that my favorite conversations are the ones when I kind of get plugged in at the last second, because I don't have a lot of time to do planning, to dig around on their websites, to read all the stuff about them. So I just get to I get to ask them about it, and that that you know typically leads to uh, just really you know productive conversations. So uh, without further ado, uh, today we've got a tycoon on the show, Scott Crossan. Uh, Scott is the founder and the CEO of digmypicks.com. So, Scott, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Landon. Happy to have you here, man.
0: Yeah, thanks for the invite.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're excited for the conversation. And uh, another kind of interesting thing to mention is that, uh, you know, Austin and Scott are in a Vistage group together. And I don't know how long you guys have been in the group, you know, together, but uh, I know you're in the group. Um, I'm also in a Vistage group out in uh, in Las Vegas. So I definitely want to kind of unpack that a bit and just kind of understand what you've learned and gleaned, you know, from your experience in Vistage. But um, I think we'll we'll kind of get there. So uh, Scott, before we, we jump into what digmypicks.com actually does and what the business, you know, looks and feels like today, let's talk about Scott for a couple minutes. So give us a little story of your background, where you grew up, you know, your family, your education, you know, what you did as a youth and anything that's important to you about your, you know, your life growing up. We'd love to hear a little bit about you.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause I love talking about myself. So, um, <laughs> let's say I grew up in Ohio. Um, I went to school at Ohio university, studied computer science, also got a bachelor's degree in Spanish. I just had a roommate from Columbia. So I ended up spending a summer with him. Uh, and then two more summers, I did an internship there with uh, Occidental Petroleum, writing software. So I just ended up getting a software degree, um, and learning Spanish along the way. Uh, from there, I moved to Boston. I met my wife there. Um, we had three kids. She had, well, we had two kids. She had one already. It was five, Eric. And then we moved to Phoenix, just actually put our house on the market just before 9-11 happened. We ended up moving here in, in, uh, what, 2002. So we've been here. I love Phoenix. Phoenix is incredible. I love all the stuff you can do here. Like I'm a mountain biker, dirt bike rider. Like I like adventure, adventure stuff. So there's all that stuff here. There's incredible mountain riding right by my house. I don't even like, I don't even have to load up my, my bike to ride. I can just ride right out of my garage into the mountains. That's a little bit about me, boring software guy who also rides mountain bikes.
1: All right. Well, Austin, Austin's, Austin and I are, are, you know, boring financial guys that uh, also love to mountain bike and dirt bike and stuff. And, uh, I don't know if you knew that about Austin, but yeah, he grew up a big kind of extreme sports guy like myself, uh, dirt biking and snowboarding and mountain biking and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and Austin's got a, a a pretty killer, like, rock crawler. I don't know if you've seen his, his little not. Toyota that he has. You've you no, seen it?
0: No, I have not seen it.
1: Oh, you got to check it out, man. This thing's this thing's pretty bad, eh? It's, a, it's an old, I think it's like a 80 five. I believe it's a forerunner. I don't think it's a Tacoma yet. It's, yeah. It's a forerunner. It's got, you know, really cool rock, you know, uh, rock climbing kind of focus lift on it and big tires. And uh, you got to ask him about that video that he took uh, about, you know, he, he rock crawled up this like really famous little rock way and it's pretty intense. So, um, and I, I, for uh, about the first, 12 years of my life, if you asked me what I wanted to do when I was a kid, I wanted to be a professional dirt biker. I was just oh, wow. absolutely obsessed with dirt bikes growing up. and It took me about four years to convince my parents, but I finally got a Honda Mini Trail 50, and then I graduated to a Kawasaki KX60, and then I rode a CR80, and then as an adult, I had a CRF450, and then I had some other bikes, but I haven't had a bike for... <laughs> for many years uh but i'm still an, you know in my heart i'm still an avid dirt biker i just don't actually get to ride one anymore
0: yeah, yeah it's still fun i have 4 of them now i just collect them <laughs> i'm just too lazy to sell them i think
1: all right so mm. so next time i'm out there um you know if we want to go for a dirt bike ride you're telling me you've got some extras i absolutely do that would be amazing that would be fun yeah that would be way fun all right so you were a software developer and then i believe You were working for a company that does something similar to what you do now. So kind of give us that backstory.
0: Yeah. So the company that I met my wife at, we're divorced now. We've been divorced 10 years, but we still work together. Like we still have our business together. We still work together. She works with me every day. We're still friends. We still hang out. We still do stuff. we worked together at this company called data translation. It it did image processing equipment. So in the eighties, you know, image processing was nothing like it is today. You know, just to try and get the simplest little thing to get a robot to find something, or there was all these really difficult algorithms to just find the most minute little defect in a part or look for cells for cell biology. But that was the equipment we were making equipment to like detect and, and, and process images for basically science and, and uh, medical. And then we moved to Arizona. You know, we just decided like, you know, our house appreciated a lot. Let's just take a different lifestyle because we were both working really hard and came to Arizona to start a business and that wasn't better. It's less, less, not less work. I should say, but yeah, we started this business in our house and it started out just like going to be a hobby business for my wife, but I don't know there's this old UPS commercial where the, these two entrepreneurs put their website up and they start watching the traffic come through and bam, 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 bam. And then they're like overwhelmed. Like that sort of happened to us. We were like, wow, people are going to actually mail us their photos. Before we knew it, we had 10 people working in our house. So we decided we needed to, and this happened in a very short period of time. So we, we decided to, uh, maybe we needed to get an office. We got an office within six months. We expanded that office to twice its size. And then within, I don't know, six months of that, we ended up buying a, a great big building. So that's kind of how we, we sort of grew Dig My Picks. It grew very fast. We bought this building in 2007. It's 18,000 square foot building where we moved the business into. Six months later, a fire happened and it burned the business to the ground. So, you know, that was a pretty tough thing to go through. It just completely destroyed the business. Not the business, but the building. So we went through that experience. That that was probably the most difficult thing that you've ever had to go through. You know, we worked through it. We rebuilt the building. We, We spent almost a year trying to recover everything that was in the building. We had this advantage that, you know, when an order comes in, we put it in these plastic bins and we zip tie it. So every order is separated in these little bins. And those things just melted into the cocoon. It just protected a lot of stuff. We, we ended up recovering 90, over 90% of what we had. But it took us a year of going through that. That was probably the most challenging thing that a business can go through is just being burned to the ground. That fire, of course... You know, when a fire happens, the first thing everyone thinks is the owner did it for the insurance money. So that is not a fun experience to go through because everyone is just judging you. And even the fire investigators, like for me, I'm like, I want to get this fixed. You know, I want to help them figure out what happened. And they're just like, go away, (laughs) stand back. But they finally figured out exactly what the cause was. And then they were friendly. (laughs) But yeah, it was a lithium ion battery in a laptop.
1: Interesting. And that caught the entire building on fire.
0: It caught the entire building. It has a wood, it had a wood roof. So once the fire ignited the, the cubicle that it was in, it just hit the roof and then just took the entire building down. It was at the time, the largest fire in Gilbert history.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's incredible, man. I mean, not, you know, not, 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 not in a good way, of course, but when you talk about a business being, you know, burnt to the ground, it's usually that's metaphoric, you know, but this is literal, literal. I mean, your business literally burned down to the ground, man. Um, I I hope nobody was
0: injured or nobody was hurt. Um, and story actually has a happy ending because we host our website at the office. So, uh, you know, that of course, went offline, like our, our website immediately went offline and, you know, customers that we had were, were kind of in a panic, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm in this business, but I immediately put up a blog and this was incredibly transparent. Everything that happened, I just put it on the website. Like this is a daily blog, like everything our employees were doing pictures of everything that was happening. It ended up being kind of great, like customers were getting really involved in what was happening at our, at our business and how we were going through this recovery. When it was all over, one customer actually said, I'm sad it's over. Like I've been, I've been watching this. I feel like I know you all. Wow. Yeah. It took took us almost a year to recover from that.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. I can, uh, yeah, I I think most of us can, can say that we can't even imagine going through something like that. That's uh, intense, man. But just, I want to circle back on a, a comment that you made because that's pretty glaring you started the business and within like 6 months you've already got 10 employees most a vast majority of businesses don't ever make it to 10 employees let alone in 6 months so why why do you think um, the business grew like so rapidly in such a short amount of time
0: yeah i don't know if it happened within 6 months i don't specifically remember the time frame but it was fast I don't know, there was a demand for this service. This was all the way back in 2002, yeah, 2002. So yeah, we just put up a website. I thought it would be like a little small business for my wife to do, Well, you know, but yeah, people just started sending us stuff. Like, well, maybe there's something here. And so we just started to put more effort into it. And we were both working full-time at that. It was fun. It was, it's fun to grow a business when you know, everything is happening you know, you, you have to figure out how to get all this done. And yeah, growth is a fun, it's stressful, but it's fun. So yeah. I, I highly recommend but, that part of the business, <laughs> <laughs> right, the gro- right, the growing
1: part. Right. So um, tell us about uh, DigMyPics.com. So what, I mean, what, what do you guys do? What services do you offer? Give, give us an idea of, of, of that.
0: Yeah, so it's it's relatively simple on the face of it. Like, you know, you have this box of photos in your in your house, your parents' house, um old slides, old 8 millimeter film, videotapes, prints, negatives, like just this huge collection of uh, old photos that nobody ever looks at anymore because it's, you know, it's too hard to pull them out. We take all that and we just digitize it and put it online so you can, you know, have it on your phone, you can have it on your computer, you can you can share it on Facebook. Like you can, you can use those photos again. So that, that's what we do. Pretty simple on the face of it. Making all of that work in a way that's profitable is incredibly difficult because it's so labor intensive. So that's the edge that we have. Like my ability to write software, it has enabled our business to do some things that our competitors just can't match. Um, and it's allowed us to keep our prices low.
1: Interesting. Let's pull on that thread for, for just a second, like help us understand why, like what, why is it so labor intensive? And then tell us a little bit about the software that you've developed to help kind of combat that.
0: Sure. So if you, you've probably, everybody's probably scanned a photo before, like you put it on the flatbed and you just wait, <laughs> like you put it there, you press a button and you wait. So that's a long, that's a very slow process. Um, and then, you know, we also do slides a lot of slides, like we do incredible numbers of slides. And the a slide for pe- for younger listeners is, it's a piece of film inside of a cardboard or plastic mount that makes it two inches by two inches. And the piece of film is a 35 millimeter film generally. Uh, so that's about one inch by one and a half inches inside this two by two cardboard or plastic mount. And it used to go into a projector. So you put it in this uh, cell or a, a tray, One by one, they would drop in front of a lamp and shine onto a projector, and if you were unlucky enough to grow up with a dad who was into photography, you had to sit and watch these (laughs) slideshows. But yeah, we digitize all that. The the machinery to do that is incredibly slow. So over the last, uh, throughout our history, like we've found ways to mechanize stuff, like mechanizing the production of the DVDs. We have a little robot to do that, and recently we we built our own slide scanner. And with all the mechanisms and electronics to move the slides in front of the sensor to to capture the image, we recently just developed our own technology to remove dust and scratches because this is a huge problem with film. It's like a magnet for dust. Like no matter how hard you try, it just, dust just sticks to it in its constant battle. It's been the bane of photographers since the beginning of photography. Dust is horrible. And on a piece of film, when you blow it up, this tiny little speck looks enormous. Mm so uh, we developed our own uh, artificial intelligence to find dust and scratches almost the same way a human does find the little piece of dust and scratch and then paint it in yeah we've just developed a lot of technologies no other competitor has this technology to do this dust and scratch removal a lot of them just you know they just scan the film and you get it with the dust
1: have they approached you over the years and said hey let us buy this from you or license this from you or, you know, something yeah, like that? I don't
0: know how much I can talk about that, but we did license the software, not the dust and scratch software, but other software that we use to manage our process. We did license mm-hmm. that to a company.
1: Interesting. So I was born in 84. So I went, you know, I was in, I was in eighties and early nineties, baby in elementary school. And I remember those, uh, the uh, projectors where you, you put the, you know, the paper size piece that, you know, the, the transparent slide on the projector, and then it, you know, puts it up on the wall. And, and you could always remember like, you know, the little pieces of dust that would land on there, you know, cause you know, they, like you said, they're, they get magnetized and they look like they're the size of a dime or like a quarter, you know, and it's a little speck of dust. And, and the teachers were constantly having to spray their little, you know, spray on the, on the sheets and wipe them off. So yeah. If, any, if anybody is, you know, younger than me, that's listening, they, they may not even remember that,
0: uh, but yeah. Dust is a huge problem.
1: It's, yeah. Right. Right. So when did the fire happen? What, what year was that?
0: It was 2008.
1: Okay. So, it's so been here we are 14 years later. Yeah. Um, tell us about the evolution of the business, like in the last 14 years, since you, you went through that, obviously, you know incredible challenge you persevered obviously the business you know did did fine because you're still here 14 years later so yeah just talk talk to us about that for a couple minutes
0: yeah so i mean after the fire like we still had people sending us pictures like the 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 people who who had their stuff in the photos were can continue to send us photos that's how impressed i guess they were with the way we handled that situation um we had one customer that did lose their negatives in the, in the photo. And he was so worried. Like he had called me the day before he sent everything. And he's like, he found my phone or my personal cell phone number somewhere. And he called me He says, if anything happens to these negatives, it'll be the end of my marriage. And I'm doing this for my anniversary. Those negatives arrived at our building the day before the fire. And, and we never, we never found them, but he sent us later the prints. And he said, you know, Thank you guys for all the time and everything. We're sending the prints from those things. And my wife and I decided that we'll have no more negatives in our life. So then we rebuilt the building. Our insurance company was incredible, by the way. I didn't know anything about insurance before all this happened. It was our first commercial property. We bought the commercial property. So, you know, we were learning about how that all works. You know, we had an insurance agent and he. He just talked to us about how to, you know, what we needed for insurance. And it was very expensive. And I was like, dude, this is a a lot of money for this insurance. He's like, what can, I was like, what can we cut out? And he's like, you can't cut anything out. You need to have all of this. And I was, I guess, too tired from everything that was going on to fight with him. And fortunately, we had that insurance. One thing that I will tell you about, when the fire happened, there are these people called insurance adjusters. They're like ambulance chasers. They, they showed up, they hounded us so hard to get us to sign a contract to represent us against the insurance company. If I had signed that contract, we, I probably wouldn't be here today. Like they basically entitle themselves to take 30% of your money and they tell you the insurance company is going to cheat you. But I don't know. In my experience, I told them to just go away and I dealt with the insurance company and the insurance company was incredible and they were so helpful. I don't know if, if any of your listeners ever have this disaster happen to them, just try to work with your insurance company first. <laughs> Mine was incredible. They were so helpful. That was American family insurance, by the way. I don't, am not trying to make a plug for them or anything, but, but they really treated us well. If we had had to give up 30% of our settlement, I don't know, we wouldn't have been able to do all the things we were able to do. I'm not going to get on my soapbox about insurance, but. That was the one thing that I, that that was unexpectedly learned about how sleazy that part of that business is. Um, So anyway, we continued to build that. We rebuilt the building completely. So we're still in that building today. Yeah. Here's another weird thing I learned. The building didn't have sprinkler system and the building wasn't that old. So it was our first time to buy a commercial property. So I don't know. It wasn't that old of a building. Like it never occurred to me that like a sprinkler system would just be a common thing like they've been around for 150 years probably but for whatever reason it wasn't it wasn't code in gilbert at the time that building was built so they didn't do it it has a sprinkler system now by the way (laughs) (laughs) now now you can't build a building without a sprinkler system but i thought that was a a weird thing like just the random things that you learn as you're going through the process that you never expect So anyway we rebuilt the building we got this beautiful basically new building because the previous building was completely destroyed Yeah, we just went through and just rebuilt the business from the ground up. It gave us an opportunity to like rethink some of our processes. And it was actually fun rebuilding. The rebuilding part was kind of fun. So yeah, growth is fun.
1: So talk to us about other than a a literal fire, (laughs) what's maybe one or two of the other biggest challenges that, that you have faced as your business grew really quickly and then uh, you know, I don't know what's happened since, you know, uh, the, the fire and since the rebuilding of the business. I don't know what's happened as far as the production has gone in the business, but like what's what's one or two of the biggest, you know, setbacks or challenges that you kind of, you know, face.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, in 2007, I think we got uh, we got reviewed by Money Magazine and they gave us a bad review. And they gave a good review to a very new upstart competitor. That magazine review hurt us a lot and it wasn't fair, but there's not much you can do about it. They sent us pictures of a band playing in a bar, which as you can imagine are terrible to begin with. Like if you've ever seen these old prints, prints from the eighties taken inside of a bar, they sent this competitor who they raved about how great the pictures were sunny pictures of a picnic outside in a park. So you know, not only did they not send the same pictures to all of the competitors to test them with, they sent us really lousy ones and sent. So I don't know, the review was unfair, but we've, we've been stuck with it. Like, like we were stuck with that, that review. In fact, that company still advertises about this magazine article from 2007. So yeah, just bad luck of a review. Uh, I mean, but we've since gotten great reviews from other newspapers and magazines, the New York Times, uh, Consumer Reports just last month you know, did a whole two-page spread about us. So, you know, we still get good press, but that stuff, like, can really get to you. Like, there's nothing you can do. Sometimes you don't even know these things are coming out, so you can't even, you know, head them off at the pass. And they just hurt you. And oftentimes unjustly. So, yeah, getting a bad review is, is probably one of the hardest things we had to go through besides the fire. Yeah. I mean, dealing with competition is always hard. It's it's surprising how vile sometimes it can get. We're going through a problem right now where a competitor they 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 just threaten to sue anybody who tries to compete with them directly. Uh, and and you know, a lot of the companies in our space are relatively small, so no one wants to spend money on lawyers. So it's it's effective. Like it's if you threaten legal action, they'll your competitor will usually just back down rather than, but, but um, this one threatened legal action to stop us from competing with them. And I said, no, I'm going to fight you. So going through that process, which is not fun, but yeah, it's just, just, they're sideshows. One of the good things about having our business was, you know, it allowed us to spend time with our family. Like we got to be there to raise our kids. Even though we were working hard, we could just kind of choose when we had to be around. And so I would say like we had a good experience raising our family. You know, the other thing that happened in 2018, um, we lost a son, our oldest son uh, in an ATV accident. And uh, that happened in Massachusetts. So we spent a month, we were a whole month at the hospital basically. So we were able to be all together as a family for that. And fortunately, like things were calm at the business during that period. So that was a rough year, but yeah, sorry. Change yeah. the subject for me. Help me out, Landon.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I got you, man. That's uh, wow, that's incredibly sad, and I'm I'm really sorry to hear that, man. Let's let's take a quick uh, pause here, um, and we will hear a call to action, and then when we, on the flip side, um, I want to talk about. Uh, you made a really interesting comment about the shelf life of a business like this. So I want to unpack that with you and and understand what your thoughts are on that. So we'll just uh, fall still here for just a minute. Hey there, tycoons. Austin Peterson here, co-host of Tycoons of Small Biz. If you think you have what it takes to be considered a tycoon and you're wondering how you could become a featured guest, please follow and then message us at Tycoons of Small Biz on LinkedIn. We'd love to have a conversation with you to see if it is a mutually good fit. And if so, we'll get you scheduled for an interview. If you're unsure about being a guest on our podcast, but are contemplating selling your business over the next few years, and you'd like to know what your business is worth, please also follow us and then message us on LinkedIn for your no-obligation, informal valuation of your business. We look forward to hearing from you, and thanks for listening to the Tycoons of Small Biz podcast. And now, back to today's program. Welcome back, Tycoons. Scott, you... uh you mentioned, you know, uh, competition now a couple of times. You said a lot of the players in your space are relatively smaller, you know, companies. Um, sounds like there's probably a couple big players, you know, kind of uh, bullies in the space, if you will, a bit. But how, how competitive is, is the industry that, that you're in?
0: It's becoming less competitive. You know, when we first started the business, there were dozens of companies like us. The challenge, you know, obviously is, is to make money in this business. That's highly, highly labor intensive. I think it ends up chasing a lot of people away. I think the the one thing that people don't expect when they start a business is how expensive it is to acquire a customer. Customer acquisition costs are enormous. We spend a lot of money on pay-per-click. Like all all of our business basically comes from pay-per-click. For people who don't know, you know, when you, when you open up Google and you type in something you want to, you want to buy or something you're interested in, there's ads at the top of the page and along the side and they look like just regular links and you just click them. Somebody's paying, you know, from $3 to $50 for that click. That gets, as you can imagine, it gets very expensive when people are just clicking, 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 like without even thinking about a lot of people don't realize how expensive those clicks are. There's two kinds of clicks on, on, a, on a search page for people who don't know. There's, there's sponsored links, which are the ones that we pay for, custom, uh, businesses like us pay for. And then there's this other stuff below it, usually called organic, which is just what Google finds when it crawls websites and lists them as they th- see fit. Those ones don't cost a don't cost anybody any money. You click on those. That, those, those are free for whoever the, the site goes to. But the sponsored ones, which most people click on because Google is very clever about how they position it just for people to click on. Yeah, those costs quite a lot of money. So I think you have to count on 20 to 50% of your revenue is going to go to some kind of customer acquisition, uh, whether it's you know, television advertising, radio advertising, newspaper, it's, it's incredible how much it costs to just get a customer to come to your door. The idea is you're going to start a business, you'll build it and they will come. It's not as easy as it sounds.
1: (laughs) I know a thing or two about that, my friend, you know, our, our customer acquisition costs can be, um, you know, can, can easily be somewhere between 500 and $1,500 dollars so we we definitely we definitely feel you there yeah. <laughs> now, you know the lifetime value of you know of a client is is you know significant in our line of work. but uh, you know when when you look at the number of new clients that you acquire based on you know your advertising and marketing dollars that you spend, uh, the cost can can easily be four four figures. yeah, definitely hear you there. I thought it was really interesting just for context for anybody listening that has not been a guest, you know, what we do is we, we send out a guest form to our guests way ahead of time and say, Hey, you know, give us some information about yourself and the business and, you know, website and all that kind of stuff. And then we have a section that says that list five to seven questions or topics that you want us to ask you about. And we use that to kind of guide our conversations. And I thought it was super interesting when I saw one of the points that you that you listed, which is, what's the shelf life of a business like this? And I thought that was just really fascinating. I don't know what, what the right word is, but just really fascinating and unique that you are thinking about your business in that lens, because that was one of the first things that I thought about when I read the description of your company, I'm like, man, is there really still a market for that? But obviously there, there is, but talk to us about, about that. Like what do you think the shelf life of a business like yours is in the long run?
0: I thought it would be over in 2005, (laughs) but here's the thing. Every family needs to do this. And, and most families have not. It there's, there's still a a lot of work to be done. I mean, at some point you have to decide what you do with this box of photos that's been sitting in the closet, you either just throw it in the dumpster or you get it digitized. And whether you send it to us or you do it yourself, that work has to get done or just discarded. Yeah. So I don't know what the shelf life is. It, we still grow. So I I don't know.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts? So, so I'll, I can tell you that in the last... 3 to 5 years we've gotten photos done multiple times with my family multiple times in our business and you know I can tell you that there's never been a printed photo it's all a file that you know it's a it's a Google doc or I don't know whatever file it is but you click on the link and it's all the photos are populated on that you know it's all on the cloud or it's all digital so I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, well, you're young. Like, you've probably only known digital, but, you know, your parents and your grandparents have a box of photos somewhere um, that somebody's going to have to deal with at some point. I don't know when, when all that stuff is finally digitized. I don't know when that is. Is it, Is it 10 years from now? Is it next year? It's probably not next year. It probably isn't even 10 years from now. Like, that stuff is just going to be sitting around for I don't know, 50 years. I, I mean, I don't imagine our business will still be around in 50 years, but I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> right.
0: I mean, we like I said, we still grow. So people are still getting this done. Videotapes well, right now is, is a growing segment for us.
1: I can tell you from personal experience and also from having conversations with other people my age, because my generation and people around my age group, all of our parents now are in their 60s and 70s. And so there, there's been a trend where, you know, um, for one reason or another, our parents are doing exactly what you're just describing where they are they're, They've got these old boxes of photos and they don't know what to do with them. And so they just assume that their kids want them. And so they, you know, I had my dad ship me like five boxes, like banker boxes, full of like old photos. And it, I mean, it was totally unsolicited. So they like showed up at my house and I was like, what in the heck do you want me to do with these? Rather than do a quick, you know, Google search and maybe find, you know, digmypics.com, Uh, I just sent out a text message to my siblings and it was like, I'm not keeping all this stuff, you know? So do you guys want some of it? Cool, if you do, if you don't, I'm just gonna toss them. And so I ended up throwing away, you know, probably Four or five bankers boxes full of these old photos. And and I, I certainly went through and picked out some ones that I wanted to keep that I that had meaning to me, but it didn't even cross my mind to uh to look into getting them all digitized. And having knowing what I know now, I would have absolutely reached out to you because that would have been really cool to uh just have them on uh you know on a in a folder somewhere stored on my computer. So I can I can tell you though that. I've had other conversations with people around my age and they are experiencing that same kind of stuff from their parents as well.
0: Yeah. It's, it's going to be going on for a while. Um, you know, one of the cool things about technology now is you put those photos in the cloud and face recognition can find. So you can search across all of these photos and find the, you know, who the people are and it's just getting better. The artificial intelligence stuff with image processing is amazing today. Like I, I, it's hard to even wrap your head around how good it has gotten in just the last three years. You know, I worked in image processing since the eighties. So uh, it's stuff we only dreamed of being able to do back in the eighties that they, you can just do it on your cell phone.
1: So. Right. Right. Well, speaking of the last three years, um, I, I would imagine COVID was probably an accelerator for your, for your business. Everybody's in the house and, has time on their hands and, you know, with the stimulus monies, you know, being handed out, people had, you know, a couple, you know, extra money in the bank. Did you see, was, was that a, did that have a positive impact on your business the last couple of years?
0: Yes. Surprisingly, you can remember when the pandemic started, we're, we're all thinking, you know, this is going to be terrible. Everyone's just going to hibernate. No one's going to spend money. And the, the exact opposite happened to all of the, all of the businesses kind of in the dot com space you know the the pendulum is swinging a little bit the other way right now suddenly everybody decided to stop shopping and go get experiences so we saw a slowdown during that period i don't know it keeps ticking but yeah the pandemic it was it was crazy like we, we we grew a lot during the pandemic
1: how do you how do you see your business evolving like in the next 10 years i i know you you said you don't foresee the business going anywhere anytime soon obviously if you guys are continuing to sustain and grow every year then obviously the market is telling you that there's still a there's still a need for what you do but how, how would you imagine that your business would evolve you know the next 10 years
0: you know we're constantly inventing new technologies to make us to make it easier for us to do what we do without you know we have the standard that whatever we implement can't make anything worse than it was before like we aren't, aren't going to take a new technology just because it makes it cheaper and it, but it diminishes the quality of the product we produce so we have that we have that baseline standard like nothing we do can diminish the quality so we still have some things that we have to do by hand like we still do single photo by photo color correction like we still have a person because we haven't found a technology to automate that at the level of a human person fixing the photo so you know there's some some more technology i'm sure we can discover we just invented this whole new uh, slide scanning and film scanning mechanism we just have that like implemented fully and it's working well we recently implemented that dust and scratch technology that uses an artificial intelligence so you know we're constantly innovating in those kinds of areas to to just make the process better um, and faster, so we can keep our prices low. Like it's an incredibly price sensitive business for someone. You know, some people will say that their price, their their photos are priceless, but when you put a price on them, they have a limit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I I can imagine. So on that note, give us an idea, like what, what does it cost to do the different stuff that you guys do? I mean, you know, just approximately.
0: Yeah, uh, ten to fifteen dollars for a videotape. Fifteen dollars for an eight millimeter reel is three inch reels. um, About fifty to sixty cents a photo.
1: Wow. Okay. So, fifty to sixty cents a photo. So, to and by the way, what is your what's your business look like today from a uh, like an employee headcount?
0: Uh, we're under fifty.
1: Okay. So to support that kind of a business, I would imagine you guys are doing a lot of photos every. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We do a lot of photos. I yeah,
1: don't I
0: don't know okay. the exact number, but it's a lot.
1: It's it's Is it tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do the math in my yeah, head, yeah. but it's gotta be a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's millions.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, all right. So you guys, we kind of come into the, you know, the final stretch here, you know, um, you've been an entrepreneur, you've been a business owner now for, you know, you've got two decades, you know, under your belt. So let's, let's close with this. You know, what, you know, what just kind of general life and business advice would you give to uh, somebody that's maybe a little bit earlier in their journey, or maybe they're thinking about starting a business or, you know, they want to be an entrepreneur, you know, what, what kind of advice would you, you know, would you give them?
0: Uh, Don't do it. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. That's a very open-ended question. But um, having a business is exciting. So I recommend having a business. Just go in it knowing that it's harder than it looks and it's going to cost a lot of money to get your customers. So go in and understanding, like, how am I going to get customers and how much is that going to cost? So you can price whatever you're doing appropriately. If you look at Silicon Valley, when they feed venture money into, I don't know, the next scooter company or whatever. Like the, the venture capitalists don't want to spend money on uh, getting your scooter developed. They want to spend money on you getting customers. So a lot of that money, believe it or not, goes right into Facebook and Google. That's where you grow your businesses is just getting people to, to find you. And, and then the idea is like you own the market. So if you're going to go smaller scale, you know, like us, like, like family kind of business. I mean, decide: do you want to have a lifestyle business, or do you want to have like a high growth business? But for us, this family style business, like we thought it would grow more than it did, but it ended up working out good that we had this kind of lifestyle business that we could we could grow and cultivate and and have a good family life.
1: That's great, man. I mean, I, I I've actually never really had somebody kind of respond in that way, and I think that's extremely important because. There's sayings around, you know, revenue is the cure for all, you know, business problems. I would argue maybe it's a, a combination of revenue and profit, but, uh, but certainly um, sales, you know, are the, the lifeblood of a company, right? Because without, without revenue, without monies coming in the door, uh, then there is no business. And, you know, the, the latter part of that is it also has to translate to profit you know um some some business guy that i follow has you know he's like you know b- businesses are are in business to do two things primarily and that is to you know uh generate to make a profit and to generate cash you know obviously there's there's more to it than than that but um i i've always found that to be super interesting because again you know uh, that that is the cure to a lot of of issues, right? Because you know, the vast majority of small businesses, they they fold because of cash flow issues, right? Mm -hmm. There's just they just don't have a good strategy around cash flow and some 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 things happen and all of a sudden they're out of cash and they can't, you know, they can't pay their rent, they can't pay their employees and then you know they gotta they got to go under. So I think that's a really interesting observation that you make, which is is you're gonna you know if you're gonna go into business, understand Exactly what it costs to acquire a new customer.
0: Yeah, it's the biggest unexpected expense, expense that people don't—I don't, don't think—fully consider. I, yeah. I think it's why we we've lost so many competitors because it the, just costs so much to get a new customer for, especially for a relatively small dollar sale like we are.
1: In a perfect world, I know you said you've got you've got uh, two. You've got two remaining kids. One one had passed away for the. So that for the two remaining kids, do they, do they work with you in the business at all? Or.
0: Uh, yeah. My son, my son, Corey, he's an aeronautical engineer, but he does software programming now. So he helped me develop uh, the AI that does the dust and scratch detection. He's now working for Biasat. So he just recently got, got hired over there, but yeah, he's a super smart kid. I enjoyed working with him. So that was, that was fun. That was fun to have that experience. But um, now he's like, he's living his dream. Like he's always wanted to be in space. And so he's, he's super excited about this uh, job. He's, he's doing stuff with, uh, calculating when satellite antennas will, I don't know, maybe it's like when satellite antennas are going to like fall out of alignment. So he's trying to Hmm. predict when it's going to, when that might happen so they can fix them. Extremely nerdy
1: stuff. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll let him, you know, spread his wings and go out there and get the experience he needs. And then, you know, maybe you can, you can lasso him back into the business, you know, whenever you're getting closer to uh, looking at the next you know chapter in your life. So, well, Scott, really enjoyed the conversation. Just before I ask you where people can, you know, track you down and, and stuff like that, just any, any closing uh, thoughts or ideas that you want to share with our, you know, with our listeners before we wrap it up?
0: Uh, I probably said too much. <laughs> it was it was a fun experience. Uh, I'm not used to talking about myself. I feel uncomfortable doing that. So, no, it was fun.
1: Yeah, you did. You did a great job, man. We sure we sure appreciate you uh, being you know vulnerable and sharing some of the stuff that you've shared because it I can relate to some stuff, and I'm I'm sure plenty of our our listeners can as well. As you know, we all have our own you know trials and tribulations uh, in this short short time that we're on this earth. So. Thank you for sharing all that, um, Scott.
0: Yeah, Sorry if it was all wanna... depressing. Like I'm, now I'm thinking back on it. Maybe I, did, maybe I should have told more uplifting stories. No, no. Like it's been a, a very uplifting experience. So I hope I didn't like portray everything as horrible.
1: Not at all. Not at all, man. Not, not at all. Uh, so if people want to track you down individually, uh, where's the best place for them to do that?
0: my cell phone number or, or no, just, no.
1: Like if people uh, wanted to connect with you, is it like a uh, LinkedIn or, you know, what's the best way for people to connect with you yeah, digitally?
0: I do have a LinkedIn. It's Scott Crossan. I think it's just Scott Crossan. I've had it for like 25 years. So or however long LinkedIn has been a thing. So I think I got my whole name. <laughs> I think I got in early enough to get my whole name on Twitter. I'm photoman05 Oh five with an F.
1: Okay. And then, uh, digmypicks.com. Is that the best place yeah, for people s, to track out business?
0: s Crosson at digmypicks.com.
1: Okay. And then the website though, for the company is just digmypicks.com.
0: Digmypicks.com. Yep. Yeah. Cool.
1: All right. Well, Scott, really, really appreciate the conversation today. You know, you built a great business and we, uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, following along with your continued success, my friend.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Landon. Appreciate the time.
1: Yeah. You're welcome. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast for
0: small business owners by small business owners. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Arizona time for an introduction to another great tycoon. And be sure to follow us on our social media channels for links to all of our episodes and great content.